Good evening, everyone. This is Jerry Lee, and we are so happy to hear you, have you here to hear this uh, message tonight. Uh, we're here standing in for uh, the manifester. So tonight's subject is about who is the Father, which art in heaven. And this will be a very, very interesting, uh, interesting, interesting subject. Uh, I will try to really finish it uh, in this teaching, but I cannot uh, promise I will be able to. I, for sure, would not be able to cover all of the scriptures that there are on the subject. But we'll see what we can do, and we will get into it. So, <clears throat> start with me tonight in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. And we'll begin reading uh, the Lord's Prayer. And here's how it is said. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. And this is in Matthew 6, starting with verse 7. Uh, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be you not therefore like unto them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, that's a lot right there. That is a big mouthful. That's a lot of information right there. And we'll start with that. Our Father. What exactly is it about being born as a human, as a mortal on earth, that entitles us mortals to call the Heavenly Father, Father? Father always has to do about the progenitor. And what I want to share with you tonight, which I hope that most of you already realize this and know this, is that Jesus is saying the way that the religious people normally pray, generally pray, pray, uh, habitually, repetitively pray, uh, that is not what really goes over with God. What goes over with God is to pray with some recognition of spiritual intelligence, uh, saying things that reveals that, that you understand the relationship, that you understand what it is that you are praying about. When you say, you know, our Father or my Father, that you understand what that means. And Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. So the, the caption, the most important thing that Jesus is saying is, number one, the recognition of not only who the Father is, but who you are in relationship to the Father. And the relationship to the Father is that the Father is your Father, and you are the offspring. Therefore, why are you? And of course, this is an incredible insight and revelation by Jesus to the masses, to his disciples, 
to his followers of the the Ophanims that we the Ophanims have fallen and become mortals chapter 12 of Revelations of course and we're here on earth as mortals without our memories we've lost our memories we're in, in a state of amnesia and we are to pray our Father which art in heaven now it's so important to understand which art in heaven what that means is it talking about the heaven of heavens is it talking about the first domain the totally pure energy realm no it is not absolutely is not and we'll see that in uh, a comparison here as we get into the rest of the prayer and to understand this is very very important our father which art in heaven because people have this idea when they pray our father which art in heaven they have this paradise where they're going to meet with all their family that has deceased and gone on before them and and that's that's what they've got in their mind uh, as to you know heaven that this is referring to but you know uh, the idea that that heaven being the heaven that is the heaven of heavens is just not correct it's very important that we understand it. Now, in the Bible, there are there are heavens mentioned, and you know there's a lot of things mentioned that we have to get to, used to to understanding about the Bible. Uh, the word spirit, the word soul, uh, the word heaven. Uh, those terms uh, have a lot of of uh, uh, meanings by interlude, and if we don't understand that. Uh, we, we can apply them to the incorrect uh, application and it changes the whole configuration of what the truth about it is. So let's read just a little further before we uh, you know, dig into this a little bit more. Okay, so we repeat that. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven now let me explain something to you why this cannot be the heaven of heavens the abode where the the great I am the invisible God abides where all of the saints of God will go after the end of this world the end of this universe when this whole universe is rolled up as a scroll and goes into ultimate density. First off, it is totally Bible that flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of heaven, referring to the heaven of heavens. And there are many other scriptures about that place that in the resurrection when people are are left to go to this spiritual place um, 
they they uh, are just not going to understand what is going on at all. Um, so I want to get this point. I want to get it clear so that we can get the message. Because without this understanding, the message will get will get goofed at. Just adjusting something here. Okay. Now, let's look at this. Jesus said in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. That there's like ne neither male nor female in that in that heaven of heavens. It's a totally pure energy. It's a totally pure place. Uh, it's it's the highest arc of love. A-R-C-H, of love that exists. Um, it's almost anti, like like you have matter and anti-matter. It's almost like anti-matter uh, to flesh and blood, which, which is a subduction zone. So the thing of it is, is that uh, we have to understand that in its fullest sense. And we have to understand that... Um, that uh, as we look into that, that um, the kingdom of heaven that it talks about here, where it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Um, this perfect well of the first domain could not ever be done here on earth. If it, if the perfect will of the first domain was 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 done here on earth, the earth would implode and it would be the end of the of the earth. But what it could have happen is the the perfect will of the God for the Father's house, which is in the physical world, the physical universe and is set up on a physical planet uh, which Jesus says I go away to prepare a place for you 14th chapter of St. Saint, of Saint John uh, no one has to go away and prepare anything for the first domain it's absolutely 100% perfect but for the Father's house there's preparation because that's still a physical world and a physical planet, and so how that that is being uh, uh, is being used as it is involved with the 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 Enochs, the offspring of Enoch and Melchizedek, which we'll talk about in a little bit, all has to do with this physical realm, and this physical realm is very important to understand that this time of being in the physical realm is going to go on and on and on and on and there are according to the um, uh, 99th chapter Psalms and the 105th chapter Psalms and when you put those together and you figure the generation of, of a lifetime and you multiply that by a thousand generations you know we're talking 70,000 70, to 80,000 years uh, that Abraham's covenant is going to be in effect and then after that, life will continue. So, so it's very, very important that we really get this down. 
because Jesus said those that teach the things of God incorrectly that they will be considered least in the kingdom of heaven and those who teach them correctly will be great in the kingdom of heaven so if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven ladies and gentlemen you need to know what is the fact what is the what is truth and we're going to show you so many scriptures today that you'll be astounded at some of these scriptures that we have to give you so hang in there and listen and open your heart open your the doors of your mind and now when we have this word you know uh, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's talking about as it is in the Father's house, that it will be done here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And forever is not eternity. We say it takes two forevers, forever and ever, to make an eternity. And then eternity is not the uh, same thing as the uh, continuum of perpetuation. All right. Now, rather than breaking down a lot of other uh, things that we could on the rest of the prayer, I think we've covered the two most important things, and that's where I want to sort of slide off from because there's so much else to cover. But we want to talk about uh, those two things. I repeat them one more time. You know, uh, our Father which art in heaven. Our Father. We have a Father which is in heaven, which is in this universe. We belong to that Father. We are a part of that Father. We, we belong to that Father before we were ever born here on the earth. We have an inheritance with that Father. And right now... The Father is set up in a natural kingdom uh, in the universe and uh, He is calling us to come and join Him. So we we are to join Him and uh, we are to be part of, uh, of this physical kingdom because the Bible says in Isaiah that we are going to plant. We are going to plant the heavens. So when the Abraham's bosom thing is finished, then we will be restored uh, ophanims and we will be very busy in the universe um, involved in, in creations throughout the universe. So time is going to go on and on and on and on. Get off that train that's headed down the ditch. Get off of it. That's wrong information. That will only make you the least in the kingdom of God. Okay, now let's look at some other uh, interesting things that uh, are absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, we're going to just throw these things in to sort of give you, you know, open the curtains, let you see a few things to make you understand like, wow, I never noticed that before or I never just realized that the scripture said that. Okay? Um, let's look at um, at a very interesting scripture in the in John uh, chapter 16 uh, verse 28 John 16 verse 28 ok John 16 verse 28 
Okay, John 16, verse 28. I came forth from the Father. Now start, let's start with uh, verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world again, and leave the world to go to the Father. Now, Jesus came and was born in a manger and grew up, became a mature adult man. But according to this word here, and according to a quote of his own language, his own words, he says something incredible here. Number one, I came forth from the Father. What does he mean that he came forth from the Father? We'll talk about that. But look at this next thing. And I am come, or am come unto the world again. Oh, you mean that Jesus has been here before? How many times has he been here before? Again, 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 and again? Certainly we begin to see that some of the scriptures that talk about um, the various uh, messenger angels that 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 have the power of redemption, that uh, even even some of the greatest scholars uh, recognize that that has to be talking about Jesus Christ, and the scriptures that talk about you know Christ who who uh, you know was the rock that that went uh, before uh, uh, Moses in the wilderness, and and all of those kind of scriptures and there's many, but Jesus said, I have come again. And the manifest says, the Lord Jesus is always coming and always going away. And that is just the style of it. And he will always be appearing throughout the generations and throughout the ages. He'll be coming in different forms, as it explains in the 16th chapter of Mark, how that Christ appeared in different forms. And that's going to continue. Now, to know the Father, we have to really understand some things about Jesus. So, Jesus is going to come again. We already know that he's coming again. And he says that he, that I've come into the world again. Which is a testimony clear in the, right, clearly put in the Bible here that Jesus has been in the, in, in the world and and he has manifested. Uh, it also uh, sets a line of demarcation that he's just not in in that form as a savior or as an entity. Uh, he could be like he could be in a presence, uh, say like in this in a spirit presence. But but as far as as this particular presence of of a savior, uh, it, it's very very clear that uh, he has been here before. And, he's, and, and he says, and I, I, I came again into this world, and I'm going to go to the Father. He goes to the Father. That's where he goes. He goes where the Father is. And the scripture in John 14 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. And, and that's where he's going. He says, and I want you to come, and I want you to be with me. Wow. Okay. Now, now let's look at something else there. And this is very very powerful and it's enough to uh, really 
sweep a person uh, off of their feet. Um, okay, while we're at it, let's let's uh, we stay in in John, but let's go to the fifth chapter of John. John five. Now, when we look at the fifth chapter of John, John 5, and um, we begin to read some of these scriptures, um, we find some extremely interesting uh, things. Uh, let's, let's start with um, verse 17, 517. But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. He's showing two distinct uh, personalities uh, the fact that there are things that he does the fact that there are things that the father does therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the Sabbath but said that God was his father making himself equal with God now that little simple little declaration there a lot of people would never got anything too huge out of it other than the Father works and at things and He works at things. But the Jews understood it deeply and understood that there was it contained in that uh, the expression that, that um, uh, was beyond anything in a way to do with the Sabbath. Uh, and and that, that uh, by claiming that God was the Father, uh, it made himself equal with God. Well, what does that do to us? When Jesus says to us, this is how you are to pray. My Father, or our Father, which art in heaven, if we claim that God is our Father, how does that bode for making the Jews or anyone else think that we claim to be equal with God and Jesus did say as I am one with the Father and the Father is one with me I am in the Father the Father is in me so also will I be in you and you will be in me and we will be in the Father so there is something quite outstanding and, and it really is a declaration of why we are to pray my Father which art in heaven because there is a deep rooted past there is a deep rooted past that we do not want to miss out on that we want to understand now let me go on because there is some really neat stuff in this here portion of the scripture then verse 19 chapter 5 of John uh, verse 19 then Jesus uh, then answered Jesus and said to them verily verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the father do for what things soever he doeth these also doeth the son likewise now we need to get a distinction of difference between Jesus Christ the son and the father Jesus Christ the Son can do nothing of himself. What he sees the Father do, 
that is what he then is able to do because the fact that he's being allowed to see it is a definition of meaning that he is then given the right to do those things I would to God that when people begin to see that they are getting revelation if, if, if God is giving people revelation and they look at it and they say oh I can't understand this this is way over my head you need to really you need to really think twice about thinking that way because if God is revealing this to you and has allowed you to become part of this so that you are reading this then God certainly is going to by the Holy Spirit in God's time reveal to you what these things mean otherwise you wouldn't even be allowed to have ever come into this to hear these things and to learn these things and so you really want to keep that down because that is the exact example that Jesus gave wow okay let's go on verse 20 for the father loveth the son and shows him all things that himself doeth now it's like a training someone says well I don't understand that well in the book of Hebrews it says that Jesus only, uh, only overcame by strong prayers and many tears that's in Hebrews that's there ladies and gentlemen referring to Jesus Christ beyond a shadow of a doubt we need to know the story of Jesus Christ we need to know the story of the Father. You can't really know the whole story of the Father without knowing about His Son. Because the Son had a Father. The Father had a Son. And we need to know about the Son because that's part of the story of the Father. So it's still the subject is still who is the Father. Now let's read verse 20 again because this next thing is going to be awesome. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth that he will show him greater works and he will show him greater works than these. Well, do we have any examples of him showing greater works? Well, let's read verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Well, when did the Father raise the dead? Well, he raised the dead when he, when the Father came and took the body of Melchizedek. That's why in Hebrew he's called the King of Righteousness. And Jesus is called the Prince of Righteousness. by the comparison of Jesus being the Prince of Peace and Melchizedek being the King of Peace. So that we see that when Jesus says, My Father is greater than I, which He says that in the Scriptures. And I cannot do anything without 
the father showing me what to do. So the father came and took a body that was a human body and the name of that human body was Melchizedek. So he says, well, I thought Melchizedek and Jesus were the same. Well, remember, the scripture says that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. Now, you have to hang in there and listen to this whole thing in order to really get the beauty of it. Because there's a real beauty here. So, the father raises up the dead? Yes. And quickens him? Yes. And so the son quickeneth whom he will. Wow. Wow. I hope you let that sink in because that is utterly incredible. That is utterly, utterly, utterly incredible. Now, in Matthew 5, 16 through 48, it talks about to glorify your Father which is in heaven. And and um, uh, that's that's um, important stuff here that we have to look at and have to have an understanding of uh, because of the revelation that uh, that God that is that's not John but it's Matthew Matthew five sixteen is glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, let's let's look at uh, some other scriptures. But let's get um, let's get over to Matthew. Let's get over to Matthew. Okay, we'll start with that scripture five five sixteen. Five sixteen. And here here's what it says. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, the works that we are doing is for glorifying the Father which is in heaven. We are even told that when we pray, we are to pray to the Father. After this manner shall you pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, forgive us our sins. Provide us our substance. But he, Jesus said, Pray that directly to the Father, which art in heaven. We got to get on track, ladies and gentlemen. We got someone says, "Well, I was taught different than that." Maybe this has something to do with not discerning the body. That there are many that are sick among you because you do not discern the body. Maybe this has something to do with with asking and praying, but asking amiss. And, and because you ask the mist, then you don't receive. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, these are things that are so absolutely full of power, full of virtue. They're just so absolutely important. Um, there's another side to this whole thing, of course. 
And we're going to just touch on it right now. Turn to Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. And this is a beautiful scripture. Most everybody should know this scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. And uh, it, it, uh, it's one that's been quoted an awful lot. Okay. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So, here's what we have to understand about Jesus. I read you the scripture where it says Jesus came out from the Father. And that's when he became the super-individual entity. And was separated, in that sense, from the Father. So that the, so that the Father became greater than he was. But we know that ultimately, Jesus will go back and become a part of the Father again as he was before he left the Father and came here. So, the Father is in him and he will be in the Father because he is co-owned with the Father. Now, what does co-own mean? Well, co-own is something that is a very spiritual thing that happens in the first domain and happens in the kingdom of God. And when a person advances let's put it this way let's say that we have an archangel and this archangel is over a host of angels and within the ranks of these angels there is a individual who keeps perfecting and becoming more and more like the master archangel to where many of the qualities that the master archangel has this person has assimilated and eventually there becomes such harmony between the individual and the master archangel that they are just perfect, that that, that individual is a perfect image of the archangel. And eventually then they co-own and the spirit of that, of that angel enters into the spirit of the archangel and they occupy the same space. And, the, and the, the entity that occupies the same space then takes on all of the attributes, all of the personality and the character of that archangel. And that's what, what happened in this case with the father. Because the father happens to be the archangel over all the ophanims. And as the archangel over all the ophanims, Christ has reached that point and co-owned with the Father and shares the same space with His Spirit. And, and, and in, the, in that world, uh, you can have many co-ownings. There can be many uh, other uh, entities that have co-owned with you and are sharing the same space. And they are all becoming one entity in, in the aspect that they are 
have all sharing that same space and are 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 all sharing the same thoughts and expressions. So, in the understanding of that, though, it is still possible on special occasions that the that the entity that co-owned could leave that co-ownership for a mission or for like where Jesus went out and went um, uh, into this ministry of salvation and in doing that that be that that became the lesser self of the father and Jesus then recognized that he was co-owned to the Father, but now he was separated from the Father by his mission, and so he wanted to do everything to please the Father, recognizing that the Father was the all of all, and that if he listened to the Father, that would be his example. And then the Father loves the Son, and wants to teach the Son how to be successful on this mission, so he comes and does the example of Melchizedek teaching the son how to come down take an earthly body and how to minister oh the the records that have been lost the, the stories that are, are 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 not available of Melchizedek going out and raising the dead and quickening people and no doubt healing people and no doubt the recognition for him and the respect for for him was because in that day in which he lived people knew and had heard of the tremendous power uh, uh, that he had and a lot of those things are lost except that we have it here in the words of Jesus he raised the dead he quickened them so we know that that's true wow utterly 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 incredible and he's the king of righteousness now there's a lot more to be said about that story but if we were just to talk on um, Melchizedek a little bit uh, you know we could we could say um, um, that there was uh, an identical uh, or very similar order of priesthood between uh, what was assigned to Jesus Christ and Melchizedek because he was being an example for Jesus Christ and uh and uh, in Psalms uh, 110.4 it says you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek and, and uh, th th those, those things are very 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 Im important um, ok um, let's look at um, ab about the throne ship uh, you know uh, but the son he says your throne O God will last forever and ever and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom, Hebrews one eight, which is all tying into this everlasting, uh, like I read to you in Isaiah here, this everlasting uh, ministry, this everlasting priesthood, uh, very 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 important. So we just begin to to see some of these points and to put those into your mind, just to help lead you. Uh, to to this revelation of where we want to to take you, this thing about Melchizedek is far more important than people can even imagine. Um, uh, in this fairly recent uh, period of time, 
there are the are these Christian Gnostic texts uh, that are were discovered, and they're entitled uh, Melchizedek, and uh, they they have um, a lot of information, and and this one uh, text. Uh, called Melchizedek the great high priest of God the most high so uh, and then the Dead Sea Scrolls um, uh, that were um, dated about uh, 2,000 years ago uh, probably you know getting close to that um, war of 66 and 70 AD uh, these when these uh, when these rolls were written uh, there was a lot of recognition in those scrolls about Melchizedek. So, in the past, there have been incredible revelations that uh, were buried, were lost. But some of those things have come out, begun to be found. Um, you know, the the Conran uh, community, uh, they held the conviction, uh, as well as there were certain Jewish Gnostic sects, uh, in the uh, first century AD, uh, they had the idea that uh, that uh, Melchizedek was the coming Messiah. So there's been a uh, real connection of Melchizedek uh, to the story of the ministry of Jesus and the connection of uh, of the Father, um, and and to be able to identify this person who's called the king of righteousness the king of peace and to understand uh, you know what the reingenerations here are about it's a pretty awesome thing there is no question about that very very awesome well, we, we, can, we can say that now um, we, we have so much we want to look at and we're going to but uh, let's just uh, you know let's quote a few other scriptures um, Jesus Christ uh, is represented as being a distinct individual uh, from the Father and yet that's because Jesus has come out from the Father and become a super individual entity uh, and in that super individual entity he is separated to that extent and by being separated that's what makes him lesser than the Father which art in heaven. So he says, my Father is greater than I. Uh, and, and so then he says, um, it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bear witness of myself. And the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. John eight seventeen eighteen. John eight seventeen eighteen. Now just get a note of that. He's talking about witnesses. And he's saying, um, you know, one of my witnesses is the Father, the Father which art in heaven. <coughs> well, how could the Father which is in heaven be a witness for down here on earth? Because of the acts that the Father did when he was in Melchizedek, those acts became a witness of the resurrection, a, a witness of the quickening, a witness of of the of the raising of the dead, a, a quickening of 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 the of revelation, of knowledge, of wisdom. Uh, it, it was all witnessed, and those things were taught to Jesus. 
So the father is one of the witnesses, and it, he's using the, that the father in this state that he's in as a distinct and different witness, distinct from himself. He says, I am one witness, and the father is a witness. So he goes on, he says, he says, in your law it's written that the testimony of two men is true. So he now is showing the divide of his super individual uh, entityship that that divide allows him to, <coughs> him to be one and allows his father to be one. So you have two distinct different entities. <clears throat> when Jesus prays um, he prays um, to his father and our father you can see that in John 17.3 so he is putting himself in the same place that, that we are put by praying our father which art in heaven because he is like our elder brother. Now the scripture says um, there is one God and one mediator be between God and men, the man Jesus. That's First Timothy two five. But does it really mean? Do, do people really understand what what it means when it says there's one God? We're going to get into that in a little bit. And 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 don't you know? Don't get into the frying pan here and get yourself all, all burned on your elbows until uh, you have a chance to hear this whole thing out, because it can sound like one thing till I've explained it all. But we're going to have to get under the get into an understanding of the meaning of the Old Testament's uh, word for one, ekad, and what the really meaning of that is. How that that is actually a compound one. And, and not the same as meaning an only one. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And we have to understand that then some of the times when it says there's one or all. Uh, it might be talking about all that's in a group, but not all that exists throughout the universe. And we have to understand all of those applications. I, that scripture I quoted uh, was First Timothy 2.5. And then we have... Um, we have some other scriptures I just want to go through here and and um, hopefully this is all recorded and so this will be down for you to play it back and get these scriptures in a better uh, you know order uh, and uh, get them written down for yourself uh, in first John 414 it says um, uh, and we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world when the father initiated the project of salvage Jesus of his co-owns of his co-owns was chosen to be the one to go forth and to be the savior of the world the father is the one that made that decision and we'll see a lot of decisions that the father makes and how that the Father is directing this whole thing. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That was John 4, 14. 
Now I quoted this already, but let's give you the scripture for it. Jesus said, My Father is greater than all. John 10, 29. Is not the Father then greater than the Son? Because he virtually denies that he is God when he exclaims, Why why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Now, interestingly enough, the word good is is the Anglo-Saxon word from which the term God was taken. So, you know, it can almost say, why call me God? There is no God but one, that is God. And we have, once again, we get into this one and what that means about God. So Jesus is saying, uh, I am not claiming to be the Father. Uh, I am claiming that when you see me and what I do, because I am not doing my own well, because I am doing what the Father does, what I see Him do, that's what I do, then I am the image, so when you see me, you see the Father. And that's what Jesus said. But we'll see how far that that goes. And in John seventeen twenty one, it says, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. And we're seeing this one one ship doesn't just mean one. It can be a, a whole communion of people that becomes one. And in John twenty seventeen he says, Go to my brethren go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Now Jesus is being very distinct here. The Father is my God, and the Father is your God, and and my Father is also your Father. Do you get that? My father, and he says, go tell the brethren, tell the disciples, tell the brethren, tell the people. I want them to understand this. I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. John twenty seventeen. Wow. Now, in First Corinthians eight five and six, it says. Yet to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things. But we can also understand when it says yet to us that that is a that is a kind of 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 forensic statement that there is all kinds of evidence of attachment there. Yet to us, in our opinion, in our viewership. it's like saying we who are open him, to 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 we who are open him, there is one God, and we understand that. First Corinthians eight, five and six. Now this is important. This next one, our Father, which art in heaven, who who is he? Well, here it says, um, the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. If I cast out devils 
by the Spirit of God. This is Matthew twelve twenty eight. So when these when when Jesus is casting out spirits, he is doing it by the Spirit of God. And he's basically saying that the Father by the Holy Spirit dwells in him and does these works. It's the Holy Spirit that is quickening him, the Holy Spirit of the Father. And we want to talk about this Holy Spirit thing here after a bit. We know that that the Bible teach, teaches about being sealed. And he talks about the Father has sealed us. We're going to look at that. I think we've got to take the time and look at that. That's uh, in um, John, uh, we'll start with John chapter 6. I didn't really get to finish that scripture in uh, Isaiah. We'll have to come back to it if we have time. Okay. So let's um, just quick a quick look um, and see here what it says. In the 27th verse of chapter 6 of John, um, let's go down to the middle of the verse. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath the Father sealed. Now, let's understand the extent of what that sealing means. Exactly what that means. Let's look in John here, 6 to 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now, whosoever that the, that that is given to Jesus and his mission of salvation whoever is given to Jesus by the Father Jesus says I will in no wise cast out any of these persons that are given to me for I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the Father's will which has sent me that all that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. Wow. I, I hope you're really getting this. I hope you are really getting this. What this really means is that all the one trillion Ophanim angels will be redeemed because they are sealed. They are sealed. They will all be redeemed. That's what it says. That's what this is talking about. And like we have taught, there's no way that the Father would ever consider or allow a, th a trillion angels to go out of the first domain and then half of that number to come back or even there to be any missing because when that, when that group comes back, it's going to be the full order. There may be a few there that... Um, God will, you know, take away their their soul. They'll lose their soul, and and that soul will be given to someone else, uh, like the talents, uh, where it's from those uh, that that do not that have not done what they should, 
with their talents, have buried them. It'll be taken from them and given to those that have talents. So there's a plan. There's an incredible plan. It's all quite beautiful. But in the end, uh, all Israel, the Bible says, will be saved. And we have to understand this. Uh, There's a whole lot more to it, though, than just those few words I'm talking about. Okay. Um, This is a lot of incredible stuff. Um, You know. Now, um, the works that are to be done uh, are to be done actually in the Father's name. I've had people say, well, you know, we're supposed to do it in, in Jesus' name, aren't we? Well, I'm not telling anybody not to pray and say to anybody, well, don't pray in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that. But you do need to understand a few things. You do need to understand that the the Jesus name is a temporal name because the Bible says that he's going to be given a new name that no man knoweth and the reason for that is because Jesus will merge again with the Father and, and, and become one with the Father again and that entity that super entity called Jesus Christ which was sent for the purpose of salvage and, and being salvation uh, will have completed the job that will be done that, that was, to, as Jesus described it, he says, look, if you have 99 of the flock, and there's even one, there's even one of the flock that's out there lost, he says, you'll set those 99 aside, and you'll go out to find the even the one that's lost, so that you can have 100% of the flock to be saved. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the teachings of Jesus. There was a parable about the about, about the trillion ophanims that fell. Wow. Wow. Utterly incredible. Utterly incredible. So these are the kind of things that we have to understand where this spirit, this Holy Spirit is coming in because it, it has an incredibly important part, incredibly important part to play. So we'll give us some more scriptures here. Very, very important. Uh, <clears throat> we know that the authority that Jesus has, he claimed that he got that authority, that the Father gave him the authority. John five twenty six through through 27. And uh, uh, he, he acknowledges uh, uh, his dependence on, on the Father. Uh, the Son can do nothing of himself. What he seeth the father, a father, but what he sees the father do. John five nineteen, uh, the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. John five twenty, um, I seek not my own glory, but I honor my father. John eight forty nine fifty, uh, he says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me. John eight. 54. He says, I am not come of myself into the world, for I proceeded and came forth from God. In the other scripture I read, he said, I proceeded and came forth from the Father. So now we see that God and the Father can mean the same thing. And uh, so then another scripture says, Jesus knowing, knowing that he came from the Father and went to the Father which parallels with he came from the uh, came 
from the Father and went to the Father. Here it says he came from God and went to God. That's John 8, 42 uh, and 7, 28. And also John 13, 3. Okay, I know I'm overloading you with some scriptures here, but you know, you'll enjoy to have them when you take your time and study them because they're, uh, they're important. It's, it's important to understand that uh, the highest places in his own kingdom, uh, the, the very uh, uh, margins of, um, of disposition of the ministry uh, have been prepared by the Father. Matthew twenty twenty three. So we begin to see that, that there is something here that is very, 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 very important. Uh, he speaks about um, doing, as I said before, doing nothing of himself. Uh, his father has taught him. I speak those things. John eight twenty eight. Uh, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. John six thirty eight. Uh, as the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father. John 6, uh, 57. Uh, as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he, the Father, given to the Son to have life in himself. John five thirty. 30. Uh, so, in a sense, he denies omnipotence when it is unattached uh, from being connected with, with the Father or with God. I can, I can, of my own self, do nothing. John 5.30 um, He says, but of that day... Now, this is important. Uh, uh, on Nicias, um But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which, which are in heaven, neither the Son, but my Father only. Only the Father knows the day and the hour that these things are going to happen the sun doesn't know it the angels don't know it no human being on the earth or in heaven knows it only the father Matthew 24 36 Mark 13 32 Matthew 24 36 and Mark 13 32 let's get that down come on get that down there's a distinction here none of the angels know the day or the hour No human being knows the day or the hour. The Son, Jesus Christ, does not know the day or the hour. The Father only knows the day or the hour. Wow. Wow. Christ is said in the Scriptures to have been tempted of the devil. Matthew 4.1 But the Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil. So we see there is a difference of state that that the state that Jesus Christ was in was not the same state that the Father God was in because in that certain state of being you cannot be tempted. So there is a state of being you cannot be tempted which the Bible says he that is born of God cannot sin for a seed remaineth in him indeed it is impossible to sin. Wow. Okay, we're we're getting we're getting there. We're getting on. We're not getting to the end of the subject, but we're we're making some progress. Uh, now, um, 
I, let's hit this. I said this already. When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Luke 11.2. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name. And we're talking Luke 2 and John 16.23. For the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. John 4.23 And we're beginning to see some, you know, really important things. Romans 16.27 says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and that's not the right scripture. Ephesians 3.14 Um the one that was uh, Romans sixteen twenty seven was to God only wise be glory through Christ. So, wow, those are vastly, uh, vastly in, important, very important things. Um, so I, th I think we've we've covered some important stuff there. I have so much more to discuss. I want to not miss anything on this very important subject uh, of, of the Father because uh, there is something really beautiful about that. Okay, now now we want to talk about um, some of the scriptures uh, in the Bible, like in Genesis one twenty six and 3.22 and 11.7 uh, and Isaiah 6.8 uh, where it talks about things like let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's got the uh, the uh, things about uh, you know the uh, let us make man in his image, uh, and the man has become as one of us. Um, and and people have tried to say, well, you know, what what exactly does that mean? Uh, if if the man has become like one of us after sinning. Uh, what does that bode for us? Uh, he commits a, a, a transgression. Uh, actually, Adam did not transgress, but, but but Eve did. But Eve commits a transgression, and so the table is turned around, and then because of that transgression, uh, they suddenly become like like this trinity, whatever you, they're calling it. Uh, there's something they haven't got right about what the us is. Something they haven't got right about who these uh, we people are. And we're going to discuss that and get into that because there's been a lot of uh, of application uh, that have been used in translations uh, that people just didn't even know what they're talking about. You know, they don't even know what they're, they don't even know what they're talking about when they say some of these things. You know. So, um, uh, you know, uh, let's let's uh, let's just break this down by going into the thing about um, uh, the name of the Lord. Okay, um, in the beginning, in Acts ten forty eight. Um, uh, well, actually, prior to that, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, uh, the believers were told to go and baptize in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit let's repeat that 
believers were told in Matthew 28:19 to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But in Acts 10:48, people were were baptized simply in the name of the Lord. So, was that a disobedience uh, to this command that was given, or to this order that was given? Uh, what exactly happened there uh, during this time of Acts, this great outpouring of the Spirit time of Acts? Uh, how could they have, you know, shifted it from uh, the Father, Son, and Holy uh, Ghost to just to the name Lord and he baptized him in the name of the Lord well uh, what we want to show you here is that the Lord actually, the, the term Lord actually covers all those sub subjects um, let's first talk about the Father um, in uh, Matthew 11.25 Jesus says I thank thee O Father Lord of heaven and earth so now we see that the Father is called Lord. And we know that Jesus, many times, is Lord Jesus is called Lord. You know? And we, we remember the scripture says, and the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of Christ. So uh, we can see once again the Lord and Christ, the two different entities still being separated there. Uh, is is uh, is very 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 interesting. Uh, this all comes back into the scripture that Jesus gave to the Pharisees and Sadducees that they couldn't answer. And he says, well, you know, uh, in Psalms 110:1, he says, "The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool." And he asked him some questions about that. You know, how could that be? How could the Lord say to my Lord? And people couldn't understand it back then. It didn't fit into tra tradition. It didn't fit either into the religions of the scribes or the Sadducees or the Pharisees. And they just didn't ignore that scripture in the book of Psalms. The Lord said unto my Lord, you have two different lords uh, talking and that's just one small example there's many many examples you know um, uh, actually we can see where the title Lord was used for the Holy Spirit um, in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 5 it says and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God so we see that God is distinct and different from from this Lord that is directing the hearts to love God and into the patience into the patience patient waiting for Christ and we see then that this Lord is different than God and different from Christ so now that Lord is basically referring to the Holy Spirit and so the Holy Spirit here is called Lord so now you've got you've got Lord Holy Spirit, you've got Lord God and you've got Lord Christ and when the scripture just says Lord it can mean the whole Godhead if you want to call it that all all of them and then you've got, you've got times when Lord is applied 
to archangels. So there are there are many lords, and the Bible says that. Many lords. And this is really, really important for people to understand. In Second uh, Corinthians 3.17, it says, uh, And the Lord is that Spirit. The Lord is that Spirit. So that Spirit was the Lord. There's another case of the Holy Spirit uh, being called uh, the Lord. So um, it, it, uh, it it's very, very important. Here's another one. Uh, Peter said to Ananias, uh, Why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto, unto God. So, you know, uh, this thing, this thing, uh, title Lord, uh, also is the title of God. And, and it connects, uh, you know, all of these uh, important features t- together. Uh, I like scriptures like uh, God Himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And some of those kind of scriptures. Those are very, very interesting. Um, you know, God and the Lord are applied to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's just the fact of it. It's just a fact uh, that that uh, that that is the case. Both 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 the Holy Spirit has been called God. The Son has been called God. The Father has been called God. They have also all been called the Lord. So what what is the effect of of this uh, various uh, versatility of of uh, term and name application? Uh, well. Uh, it is just important for us to see that there is a depth to this thing about the word and there is a depth to this thing about an understanding of all of these various terminologies that are in the Bible and how they apply and how that they do not apply uh, you know um, it, 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 uh, it just is pretty clear that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together are called the Lord or individually they're called the Lord. So when the baptism took place in the name of the Lord, it was equal to baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And there would be some people have a problem with that, but that's Bible. Whether the person wants to accept that or not, that's just plain Bible. You know? So, now, uh, there are some interesting uh, scriptures about no man has seen God at any time. Uh, and if you read scripture like that alone without reading all of the scriptures, uh, because there are some scriptures that, sh- that, that go beyond what that says and shows that, um, that uh, there are those who have seen the Father. And, that, and hopefully I'll get to that scripture here in a little bit. Okay. So, um, we're, we're coming, we're coming along here. Uh, I got to keep moving. Let's talk about this thing about, about, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, about uh, an important scripture uh, that is in the whole Old Testament. There is a scripture in the Old Testament, and uh, it talks about um, the God of God and the Lord of Lords and uh, that is so important to not be 
lost upon the people. I've had individuals say to me, well, uh, when it says the God of gods, the first God is capitalized, but the second God is not capitalized, it's small case. So that's very obviously uh, not meaning the same thing. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the original text of the Bible, uh, there were no differentiations. There were no caps and, 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 and lower cases. They were all the same. And, and so, so that, was, that was how the Bible was written. There was no verses. There was no, uh, no punctuation. Uh, there, there was no separation of words. And so that all, all had to be understood by people as they read it uh, understanding it from the the text that that it was given in, and so as we begin to come into that kind of a truth, uh, a person begins to come into the understanding of of how really, really, really important it is uh, to understand that when the Bible says in the Old Testament, you know, uh, the God of gods and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Uh, what exactly does that mean? What exactly does it mean when it says God of God and Lord of Lords? What exactly does it mean? Well, we're going to talk about that, but we've got to finish up here first on some some points about this thing about one. Uh, there, of course, the Jews are really big into what is called the, the Shema, and that's in Deuteronomy Six four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Um, uh, you know, the Jews, even being the supposed masters of their own Hebrew language, uh, do not really properly interpret uh, the language a big part of the time. And that's why there are the Targums, and that's why there are some of these other writings that, that show a different spirituality by some of the, the people who were Jewish individuals but, but, but that saw that there was another side uh, and meaning to, to, the, uh, uh, to, to the word. Um, the fact is uh, that uh, you know when, when they use this term one um, there is a really important the word one which in the Hebrew word is etnad, uh, does not literally mean uh, a, a only one, but it is it, it is not an absolute one. It's a compound one. So so like in Genesis where it talks about the morning and the and and and, and the evening, uh, that was one day uh, where a man and a woman come together in marriage. Uh, there's two persons; they become one. That's, those are all ekad, and and uh, so those ekad termi uh, terminologies were applicable to not one as as a single entity and an only entity, but one as a compound entity. Uh, and in Ezra, uh, you know, um, two sixty four, uh, we're told that the whole assembly was as one. Uh, 
though of course it was composed of numerous people. Now these are some of the of the quotes that was um, put out by the Jews for Christ, and I'm just reading these because uh, these people are speak the Jewish language, and uh, they really realized that uh, there was some absolutely different meanings than uh, than what what people think. There there is a word uh, yakid that uh, uh, means an absolute oneness, um, and and it, and it can be found in uh, passages like uh, Genesis 22, uh, you know, and 12, and and uh, Judges 11:34, Psalms 22:21, um Proverbs 4:3, Jeremiah 6:26, Amos 8:10, Zechariah 12:10, uh, on and on, and it means only. So if the intent was for it to be absolute one then Ekad would not have been the word to use because Ekad is used over and over and over to represent compound and, and show that there is can be a group or there can be more than one person that makes up that one ship. So before people get carried away with trying to uh, put on a holy little cap and, and, and uh, copy the Shema of the Jews, uh, you need to get this uh, fact and truth of the word of God down because uh, these these things are are absolutely important, very important to to know exactly, you know what 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 the word is saying. It's just like the word Eloha. Uh, that is a word that could have been used instead of Elohim, if the speaker was trying to make a point of in the beginning Eloha created, in the beginning God singular created. But instead, the word in the beginning, Elohim, plural, was used. And, and that's because, you know, uh, just as in Ekad, there was a compound uh, a situation uh, for, the, for, for composing the one. There is a manifold God expression here. In this manifold God expression, we are having uh, the, the facts uh, materialized and spiritualized to show that 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 there is a composition, and that this composition that makes this oneness uh, is is a derivative of different parts and components, and and, and in those different parts and components are are different uh, entities that make up the, the whole collection, and are part of the compound. So, um, and then there are many many scriptures on the thing uh, about uh, the us, uh, how that. Um, Elohim uh, can refer to the us, and, and we can be talking about the angel creators. Uh, we we can be talking about at the same time uh, the lords, uh, the the Lord the Father, the Lord the the Son, uh, the Lord the Holy Spirit. Uh, they can they they can all be involved in that at the same time, and no no doubt were. Uh, it's just like the scripture in Ecclesiastes 12.1. In the King James, it says, Remember now thy creator. But everyone that knows anything about uh, the Bible from a scholarship standpoint knows that the actual original word is not singular. It is not, Remember now thy creator. It is literally, Remember now thy creators. And the same thing in Psalms 149.2. Let Israel rejoice in his maker. 
let Israel rejoice in his maker. That is not what it literally says. It literally says, let Israel rejoice in his makers. So come on, people. Those those things are awfully important. Um, you know, uh, Isaiah 54, 5, For thy maker is thine husband. But literally, it's makers and husbands. And, and, and this all has to do with a beautiful revelation uh, of, of husbandship ministry and many, many different things that have been lost by people narrowing down the confines of plurality uh, because they're so afraid that they're going to get mixed up w- with the gods that represent the lowercase g uh, and, and not understand how much more powerful that the word of God is than to become entrapped in uh, those erroneous kinds of, of, of uh, viewpoints. Now, <clears throat> here's here's an interesting scripture. This this is a beautiful and interesting scripture, and uh, you know uh, this this uh, is is a case that um, is found you know in Psalms, and it says therefore condition. God, capital G. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Here we have a distinction of gods. And it's referring to Jesus Christ. Therefore God, thy God, hath done this. Oh, there is so much, ladies and gentlemen, about this that's so important about who the Father is. Uh, but you you can find that scripture in Psalms 45, 7 through 8. Psalms 45, 7 through 8. Then there's the scripture that says... Um, uh, the house of Judah... Uh, I will save them by the instrumentality of Jehovah which would be Yahweh their Elohim so Elohim number one will save Israel by the means of Elohim number two so here we see why Elohim was used because it wasn't about a singular entity it was about a double entity so there was two personalities involved both of them carrying a name attached to God. It's like this scripture here. Then Jehovah reigned uh, upon uh, Sodom and and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from Jehovah out of heaven. So you've got the Jehovah number one reigning fire and brimstone from a second Jehovah who is in heaven. The first one being on earth. And on and on and on. There's all kinds of examples like that. Uh, you know. Uh, so God, even thy God. Hebrews 1.9 Lord God of gods. Joshua 22.22 22, uh, And here's this important scripture I was wanting to give you in Deuteronomy 10.17 God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords. 
Deuteronomy 10.17 You want to know about God? God is a God of gods and Lord of lords. Keep that. Keep this scripture down. That is such an important scripture for my teaching. And, and the, the, those things are hard for some people because, you know, it goes against tradition. It goes against things that, that they, you know, that they're used to. Psalms 136.3 Oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. The Lord of Lords. Give thanks. King of King, Lord of Lords. First Timothy 6.15 Also Revelation 17.14 and Revelation 19.16 I have said you are gods. Psalms 82 6. Also John 10 34 through 35. David says in Psalms 86 8, Among the gods, O Lord. In Daniel 2 47, it says, Your God is a God of gods. So these gods and these lords. You know, are we talking about the false gods and the false lords? Absolutely not. God's, God said, uh, Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. So the reference here to these gods are not evil gods. Not evil gods at all. Wow. Daniel 2.47, I may have already read this. Your God is a God of gods. Yeah. So he that is joined in the Lord, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians six seventeen. So we begin to see from all of these scriptures the profound reality, the absolutely profound reality uh, that is involved in in um, you know the, the power of the word. Um, it, it, it is just you know it's just absolutely incredible I want to read John 17 if you would the gospel of John 17 I want to read this thing about knowing the father because that's our subject here today to, to you know as who is the father and that is a really utterly uh, perfect scripture so John 17 verse 25 17 verse 25 O righteous Father the world hath not known thee but I have known thee and these have known that thou hast sent me and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them there are things about the Father there are things about the Father that those that were involved with Jesus knew about the Father. In verse 24 he says, Father, I will, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou loveth me before the foundation of the world. So there is a reckoning. There is a place of understanding uh, that that we are to understand. And 
we also understand in Ephesians 1, 2 and Ephesians 2, 18 that we have access through Jesus by one spirit to the Father so that there is a connectedness in these these lords the Lord Father the Lord Jesus and the Lord the Holy Spirit and those things are just beautiful they're beautiful to me they they grab me they hold me uh, so now let, let me put this together and this may be hard for some of you but how does this work okay we know that the Bible says that we are gods and Jesus said that that is a fact and it's such a fact that it's the law and it can't be broken we're gods we obviously know that one God according to these scriptures can sometimes give orders to another God so that there are ranks of the gods some gods that are over other gods we know that the host which is under the the governorship of the arch, archangel that that is a god of the gods that's like all the angels are gods and that is a god of the gods a god over all those gods but then that's like the Ophanims but then there's the Seraphims and the Cherubims and on and on and on of these many different uh, multiple legions of, of hundreds of thousands uh, who are from the different universes and which is going to continue to develop new groups of, of angels from other universes and they all have a kinship of that universe and they become the gods of the head over them who is their god and that god is a father over them as it applies to the physical universe where they were created and where they, where they overcame but the term father and mother and being married is not relevant in the first domain the heaven of heavens flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God and all those things that have to do with images and metaphors and parables and parallels that are of the human anatomy experiences does not fit into the ultimate pure realm of the first domain someone say oh I just I would just I would just miss that terrible I couldn't stand it don't speak from ignorance because that's what you would be speaking from to say that because you can't even begin to fathom begin to even understand the power of the love that is in the first domain and how, how great and awesome it is above and beyond anything ever called love here on this planet earth so we have all these gods that are over their group of angels 
which are called a host. And right now, there are seven spirits of God that represent the seven universes. And we're now in the eighth universe. But at this present time, there are no entities that are developing to go forward and to become part of this new universe. Because when the Ophanims fell, they end up taking the place temporarily and the time of what was supposed to be happening for the development of the consciousness of these new entities. That's all been suspended, all put on hold. But when all of the Ophanims have had their time and chance, and that whole issue is finished, and Abraham's bosom covenant with God and, and the Ophanims is concluded, then it will begin to spell over for their to be those on earth who the Bible says their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. But all of us who were openings, the Bible says all of our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But this new creation, it says their names are not written in the new Lamb's book of life because they have never been in the first domain. They have never been uh, angels. They have never been uh, uh you know, on missions for creation. And then that whole process of those persons will begin. And that's a long ways up the road. Time is going to go on and on and on. And it's going to plant the heaven with all these new creations. And so then there'll be, you know, more creations and more creations more universes and more universes and before there was ever a universe there was the alpha creations so don't think that God just now after eternities, eternities and eternities of time just suddenly got the idea about having creations this has been going on forever so then there is a God who is above all of the gods and his name is not called Father. But he does have a Holy Spirit. But so does the Father, who is the, the Yahweh, archangel, over all of the Ophanims, have a, a Holy Spirit. And when you get where you should be, you will have a Holy Spirit. And when you have this Spirit, because you all have spirits now, but they're not holy. But when a Spirit becomes holy, then you have a Holy Spirit. So you become distinct from just having a, a Spirit to having a Spirit that is a Holy Spirit. And then the things that can be done by the Holy Spirit, many of those things you will be able to do because you now have a Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible describes this in Romans 1.20. It talks about invisible things. In Colossians, it talks about Christ who is the image of the invisible God. And we know this is not talking about the Father. But this is talking about the God, he, he's, he's more than just the God of gods, because even an archangel is a God of gods. 
But this this God is the ultimate I am. So in the Tetragrammaton, you have the the I am and I am. So the first I am represents this this total ultimate invisible I am God. And the second I am represents the Father and the Son, which are the lesser God. And then there are divisions within that when like Jesus goes out as an individual entity but they are still all of a belonging by the same spirit into the oneness of who they are do we pray to this invisible God no we are to pray through Jesus Christ to our Father which art in heaven which has to do with our whole open M order because that is the host that we are a part of the family that we belong to and Jesus came as a kinsman redeemer to salvage us because as it says in the Bible he is our elder brother and he's not ashamed to call us his brother. My Father which art in heaven. Who? Who is that? He's the one we pray to. He's the one we worship. But Jesus being the image of the Father, in proxy of the Father, when we worship Jesus, who's already said, I am nothing, I do what I, I see my Father do, my father is greater than I but he is the proxy the channel to which we are able to come able to be forgiven able to receive mercy able to receive grace able to be brought back in because every person that is given to Jesus and, and by the father Jesus says I will not reject one of them that the father gives me to be saved I will accept them all and so that is the way it works so the Father, our Father, I love Him. I love our Father. It's our Father which art in heaven. And that is the story. Okay, now, tonight, instead of doing the Gentile, um, I want to just do a general prayer. Uh, we've had wonderful, incredible success with uh, the Gentile. But I do not want to promote the idea that this is the only way of praying for the sick and some new sweeping revolutionary concept that supplants and, 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 and does away with the regular kind of prayer. And I want to pray today for the sick uh, just in regular tones of prayer and um, in my ministry I've had people that were basically all but dead that were raised up from deathbeds that were healed just by prayers that God put on me to make I will say that I have no power to do any of those things only as they are promoted by 
the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ by our Father which art in heaven. So, may I take this time to pray for any of you. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We love you so much. We adore you. We worship you. Out there, Lord, beyond the touch of our hands, are so many people that are sick, that are suffering, that are hurting, that this very moment need to feel the touch of your precious, loving, saving hand. Would you reach out right now, God, to those that are listening to this, those who are listening now and those who will be listening later, and they have they have diseases in their body. They have afflictions. Some of them are just under tremendous pressures of their nerves and deep anxieties. Oh, Jesus, thy name, we come to you, Father God. Heal, heal. And I can feel the energy going out. I can feel the energy going out. Heal them, Lord, and make them whole. Whatever these problems, in Jesus' name, Amen. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and His peace be with you today. We do have a new blog on. You'd find it interesting. Good night. broadcast.